a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Sources. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today and especially excited to be joined by Scott Rasmussen. Uh, Scott has uh, long been recognized as one of the world's leading public opinion pollsters, uh, especially as polling continues to change and evolve. Scott's uh, really been out in front there in terms of uh, why polling got it wrong in 2016 uh, and what we need to do to get it right uh, moving forward so we have some confidence in that. Uh, the thing I love most about Scott is that he is he's committed to this higher level dialogue uh, and he does it through data uh, and through the a real analysis that explores the, the real currents, the underlying currents uh, in public opinion. So Scott, thanks for joining us today. Boyd, always a pleasure to be with you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and uh, we're, we're really excited. At the Deseret News, uh, Scott is going to be a uh, regular opinion writer for us, uh, so you'll get a, a good dose of uh, Scott every week at Deseret.com and on the pages of the Deseret News, and uh, we'll sneak him in here on Inside Sources as often as we can uh, get him on the line. Uh, but, Scott, before we jump into uh, your most recent writing, uh, give us a little pollster lay of the land uh, as it relates to what are you watching for? What do you think is going to start to play out as we roll into 2020? You know, the biggest thing to recognize about 2020 is that all the things that political people are watching that they think is going to determine the, the state of the election, whether it's campaign strategies or the Democratic nominee, they all pale in significance compared to what's going to happen with the U.S. economy. Uh, that is the single biggest issue. If the economy continues to be strong, Donald Trump is very likely to be the favorite going into the November election. Republicans will probably pick up a few seats in the House and hang on to the Senate. If the economy goes south, well, then the Republicans will be losing everywhere. And uh, so that is the biggest issue. The second thing is on every topic, whether it's what happened uh, recently in Iraq, or whether it's uh, the impeachment discussions or budgets or any other issues, we live in a partisan world. If I told the Republican that Democrats thought the sky was blue, Republicans would disagree. And we're seeing that play out in all the polling numbers. Oh, crazy. Uh, and as you look at the as you look at the Democratic race uh, for the nomination for the presidency, uh, we're, we're only uh, what are we? Twenty seven days out to Iowa and uh, the fun right? will, will begin full scale. Uh, what, what are you seeing? What uh, what are some of the undercurrents that we might be missing uh, in terms of the Democratic race? 
Well, one of the things people are talking about a lot, uh, you know, is who's ahead in the polls and which state and all, and, you know, and they're trying to game out these scenarios. Uh, we're just finishing the preseason. And, you know, uh, preseason in the political world means no more than preseason in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so what's going to happen starting with Iowa is voters get to have a say, not just the pundits, and things are likely to change. Uh, about half of Democratic primary voters tell us that they could change their mind between now and when they actually go to vote. So there's obviously a lot of flexibility in this. We have, we don't know who's going to win in Iowa, obviously, but but we don't even know the significance of it, especially this year. I think there are two wild cards that people are perhaps underestimating. One, Mike Bloomberg. He's skipping the first four races and spending hundreds of millions of dollars in states after that. What kind of an impact will that have? It's never been done before. We don't know. Second, uh, as this debate field gets slimmed down, uh, we know the next Democratic debate, right now only five people are qualified for it. That means the people participating have a bigger edge. And one of those people participating, Amy Klobuchar, uh, has never been in the top tier uh, group of candidates, but she does have an appealing general election profile. She's representing a Midwestern state and could be a very, uh, very effective challenge to President Trump as a more moderate candidate. So we'll be watching to see whether she can gain any traction in this setting. Uh, I, I think that's, I'm glad you raised Amy Klobuchar because I, she has been my under the radar. Uh, candidate to watch uh, for the the very reasons yeah. you laid out, Scott. That she does have this pragmatism, this Midwest appeal uh, that is different from from a Joe Biden uh, in terms of kind of the next generation and and some some upside there. Anything else we should be watching for just in the in the uh, next uh, few days? Uh, you know. Uh... The, the the thing that again political people want to talk about the political dynamics and and obviously talking about Senator Klobuchar is one of those political dynamics or what's going to happen between the uh, the battle between the progressives and the more moderates in the Democratic Party. Uh, Events on the ground really matter. You know, the things that are happening in Iran and how Iran responds and how that plays out are going to have a big impact on the way the race proceeds. The economy has a big impact. Um, and the other big thing that will have an impact is a reality called the rules of the Democratic nominating <laughs> process. Uh, you know, unlike the Republicans, there's not they don't have winner-take-all states. Right. Uh, we could very well be seeing a situation where you have four or five candidates splitting the vote. Um, nobody has a, a majority to pledge delegates at the end of the primary season. And then what do you do? Um, how does that play out? The rules of the Democratic Party are going to have a, an impact on this race in ways that we can't imagine uh, unless somebody just runs away with the field. Yeah. And uh, I think what that does for the Democrats, it leaves them with a potential to have some really bad feelings coming out of the convention. You know, if Bernie Sanders uh, feels that he was cheated in the nomination for a second time in a row, uh, that could depress turnout among his supporters. On the other hand, uh, you know, if the progressives gang up and take out a a Joe Biden who's leading because Warren and Sanders together have more votes, uh, you know, that could create some other difficulties. And so I think every year people like me talk about you know, maybe there will be a broker brokered convention. convention. <laughs> um, 
The odds are always against it, but this year they're less against it than most. Yeah, uh, that's that's just so interesting. If you're just joining us, we have uh, Pulser Scott Rasmussen on the line with us, and always appreciate his insight uh, into what's going on. And uh, Scott, you've uh, you've agreed to uh, join the pages of the Deseret News and Deseret.com uh, with a, a regular uh, contribution, and you started off in a in a fascinating place to me, uh, and that is that you've. You've challenged yourself to uh, to read one of the Federalist Papers every day for eighty five days. Uh, tell yes. us, just, uh, give us a quick hit on that, and we'll uh, let people get in and read that. Well, you know, I the Federalist Papers one of our you know most incredible sources of history and knowledge of the constitutional era. It was written by they were written eighty five different columns by Alexander Hamilton, uh, James Madison, and John Jay over a period of six months. Um, I read them back in college. I've read some of them since, but I thought you know it's really good to go back and. and Take a look at what these people had to say. Um, I don't look at the uh, the founding fathers, the people who created our government, as perfect. Obviously, they weren't. They had some blind spots. They missed some things. In fact, in my second column, I'm going to talk about one of their big bloopers. Um, but but these were people who were thoughtful. They were they were wrestling with issues of a day. Uh, they studied history. They looked at what worked and didn't. They studied or they practiced politics. I mean, they were active politicians of their era, and they wrestled with a question that is important to all of us in the 21st century. How do you create a government that is powerful enough to protect our liberty, to protect our freedom, but at the same time not make it so powerful that it becomes a threat to that yeah. freedom? So we can learn from them. You know, even by their mistakes, but we can learn from them. And and uh, I'll be passing on some of what I learn in the in the columns over the next couple of months. Oh, fantastic! We got just about a minute left, uh, Scott. And I, I wanted to read just one uh, quote uh, that you you went to Hamilton, which is a good move. Uh, and but, of course, he was worried about uh, what he called the the angry torrent. Uh, of malignant passions that would be let loose, you know, and all of these things could just, you know, completely unravel the Constitution and uh, and his worry that converts by the loudest <laughs> who had the loudness of their declarations and the bitterness of their invectives were going to be the ones who carried the day. Uh, that sounds like a little preview of coming attractions for uh, 2020. It did. You know, uh, the, the, the way he described the debate over the adoption of the Constitution sounds like cable news shows today. Uh, but to me, that's reassuring. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, it wasn't that the, the government was created by people who had a, an idyllic view of the way politicians would behave. They created a government that was designed to work despite the realities of yeah. human nature. And the fact that we had such passions then and, and have done pretty well as a country since 1787 gives me hope that we can uh, do well going forward. Do it again. Fantastic. Scott Rasmussen. Scott, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to having you on uh, on a regular basis, and we'll look forward to, to reading your column there at Deseret.com. Thanks, Boyd. All right. Happy New Year. Again, that's uh, Scott Rasmussen, a national, international pollster, uh, will be joining us on a regular basis on this show, and we'll have a regular column uh, in uh, Deseret News and Deseret.com, so make sure you stay tuned for that. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a bottom-of-the-hour news break. When we come back, we expect to be joining shortly a press conference regarding the two mission, missing children from Idaho. Uh, Debbie DeJanovic has agreed to stay with us and give us some insight and commentary there as well. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Stay with us on Inside Sources right here on KSL News Radio. Oh,